0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're going to talk about rolling averages. We're going to be talking about tiers. We're going to be talking about stuff plus. We're just going to be talking baseball. I've got my good friend, John Leguiza, current FSWA award winner. All coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. <music> Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by the good folks f- from Fantrax. We appreciate all their sponsorship during fantasy baseball draft season. I'm Jeff Erickson here with John Legaza. FSWA Award winner for the Best Ongoing Series in Baseball. John,
2: congratulations, and welcome to the show. They like me. They really like me, yeah, Jeff. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly, baby. Man, it felt really good. Thank you so much. This is like the Mount, Rush, oh, the Mount Rushmore baseball podcast. Any analyst dream to be sitting next to you in the digital space. Jeff, thank you so much. It works, Meant so much to me. I, I mean that. But, yeah, it's really cool to get validation and recognition. Other than that, Absolutely. that 250 will get you on the bus, man. I was right back to work, I assure you, right after that.
1: Absolutely. Doing a little Teoscar Hernandez right up there, of course. <laughs> yeah. So It's, uh, you know, hey, but, again, it's not work when you love what you're doing there, too. It's That's the best part. There is work in our community. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. at the same time. You know, beats having a "quote unquote" real job. Sometimes I'll say that. Uh, I don't even know what I would do if I weren't doing this. It's it's pretty amazing. So, let's uh ta- jump right into it here. Um, you've got a a great uh, draft kit coming out there right now. It's thirty plus tiers guiding you through uh your 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 any skill level address. Lots of write ups, a lot of you know stat dense stuff, a lot of uh, all sorts of good stuff there. Tell everybody about it.
2: Yeah, just briefly. You know, check me out on Twitter at John and, and that'll streamline it everything. But right now is the pin tweet. Thank you so much. You know, I put in a ton of work into it. It's kind of my piece de resistance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, going through what was supposed to be a top 500 becomes a top 600, becomes a top 655. Because if draft champions, deep league play, dynasty play, and of course, you know, spring training gifs, I have to start jamming players in to the bottom. But yeah, I do write-ups. I start at the top. Jeff, something that you and I, or you talk about a lot, I talk about it on my own show, that there is a high-stakes centric. Tinge to content, right? The highest level content we're looking for. However, the general public is in 10 team and 12 team. And a lot of times are like top 600. Who cares? So my kind of hat tip to them, and I found I've selfishly gotten some, uh, quite a bit out of it, is starting from the very top. And I wrote up all 100 of the top 100 players. Now moving on to like, you know, subscription requests and stuff. But I also have uploadable underdog. And you saw the uh, data sheets that I get access to. You know, I could be a bit over my skis. I talk fast, think fast. Those sheets really kind of help me slow myself down. They're very compartmentalized. Yeah, they, they have a there's a hint of compulsion in there, right? If you can tell. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but but that's kind of what works. So control F is your friend, and yeah, check it out on Twitter. It's only ten bucks for the whole year. You get a waiver uh, email every week, and you can ride with me. Yeah. And it's, and
1: the thing is like the people play high stakes, the people that play in the, you know, higher expensive leagues or deeper leagues, they're, they're the ones that consume our content the most. So of course that we get, we, and we get the best feedback from that sometimes, Yeah, but it's not the only way to play. And we realize that too. And and there are a lot of people have some very important leagues that aren't as deep too. And you don't want to diminish the importance of the leagues just because they happen to be 10 or 12 teams. And I think that's really important to realize sometimes I made that comment way back first pitch, Arizona, Know it was always kind of like a it was the throwaway line. Well, if you're in a 10-team Yahoo League, sure that's true. And I used to get that all the time when I answered calls on the Sirius XM shows. Like, well, hey, a lot of people play in those leagues, those are real leagues. Um, and you know, the analysis matters there too. Starter five versus starter six, starter starter fifteen versus starter sixteen.
2: That'll put something in for the high stakes crowd. Yeah. And this is something that I've I've kind of learned is as a community, the high stakes players can sometimes, Jeff, hand wave the necessary analysis for the players up top. We get into this volume thing mm-hmm. sometimes where it's player is the same thing. Just take one of those guys, take a player from the tier, take a, one of those. Closers especially. Yeah. Right. But having to go through it where I kind of, and again, they're not overly long. They're, the write-ups are only two or 300 words. It's just for people with just a couple paragraphs with all the, you know, pertinent data, maybe injury stuff, trajectory stuff, like you said, moving averages, but it really helps me see some of the differences at the top levels, you know, it's funny, people will say, Well, you're kind of picking nits there. Well, you have to with the eighth pick, right? In particular this year, there's a lot of comparable hitters that with comparable returns, and how else are we going to find the differences, but to maybe go from the telescope to the microscope?
1: Yeah. You know, longtime listeners of you, longtime listeners of us know what moving averages are, but not everybody does. Let's just talk about that conceptually there. When you talk about moving averages, rolling averages, what yeah. do you mean by that?
2: Man, that's great. Thanks again. And Looking back, I can't believe that I've had at least even a little bit to do with the inception of that kind of understanding. So analysts and fantasy players are used to last seven, last 14, last 30, last 60. That's all stuff we're accustomed to. But that kind of lacks some context. So right. rolling average is pretty simple because I know it can be overwhelming, but it's its really not. Right. So if we're talking about a a seven-day rolling average, It's the average, let's say it's a team WOBA or a batting average or a K rate. You calculate that for each of the last seven days. That's the point in your graph. So you wouldn't get a point in your graph until day number seven when you have enough to calculate it. There it goes. Day number eight, you just take the last seven. You lose the first day. Calculate day two through eight. You plot that. And now as you continue every day, you plot those. And that will give you a more general understanding, right? Right a single game, for example, is too small of a sample set to judge our strikeout rate. Right. When you start to look at, I like to use 25 game sets for hitters because that's roughly a month. But again, it it won't change it too much. Probably the wider the better, depending on the track record of the player. But it will really just give you a new and different perspective. And that's how, you know, I have a background in trading. That's how traders look at, you know, pattern analysis and trend recognition. So it's just another way to, View it, And I have some of that stuff you see it at The Athletic or on Twitter sometimes where, and again, this will be the last thing. I don't want to go too long. The idea is it allows us to see things in waves directionally. So again, if you were to look at like an Amazon stock over the past 10 years, it's a straight line up. As you zoom in, you begin to see the imperfections, the ebbs and the flows. So that's right. what we're doing is adding a layer perspective.
1: Yeah, it's not and, and to clarify, I think in the, the chat Uncle Ted's asking do you check the tat past day seven sets? Yes, you do, but you you do that's one data point and then you do like 8 through 2 is another data point, you know, all yeah. that and that shows but you But I can late. actually give
2: him a very good example of usage and this has been at the the fulcrum like the center point of my argument for and against hot like let me say a player is hot, can a player be hot? And now I'm not to say that I'm going to answer that, but where this does add perspective is, let's say we were to just set an objective parameter looking backwards. Jeff, a player that's hot has an OPS of 840 in the last seven days, and you know a certain part of us wants to intuitively kind of say, yeah, I could, I'll buy that. However, if we're looking at rolling averages, you may get the same 840, but you'll get an understanding of a downward trajectory where. Mm-hmm. The number is there, but the trend and the directionality—that's really the thing. Because we're we're always trying to move right. We have to go where the puck is moving, not where it's been. So stats and their predictive nature is a whole other conversation. But this is a different kind of perspective, and where you might say, "Yeah, he does have an eight forty OPS," but it was, you know, a thousand to nine fifty to nine hundred, right? And so it's coming down.
1: Do you find? That there's a certain type of player, whether it's hitter, pitcher, closer, uh, whether it, where, where that analysis is more productive for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh percent Great question. Answers disciplinary statistics for for hitters in particular. Okay. Well, I would say maybe discipline is good for trend either way, strikeout rates, walk rates, but we want to see which way they're going. In particular, fan graphs has a very easy tool, it's free to use. You click the graph tab, and you can look at multiple years also, which is mm-hmm. really helpful to not only map different years different stats but then also go to those individual game rolling averages so i would say yeah it's the best way to look at k k rate walk rate zone contact chasing and stuff like that yeah
1: yeah and it doesn't just apply like you know i think it applies i think you would think naturally applies in season but you can see on a more like outwardly take how you can apply that draft day too like You can see like uh, where it's going from year to year, from month to month, things of that nature too.
2: Yeah, I you actually, I don't know if I'd call it famously, but I did apps and again we have the receipts, and I talk a lot of smack, Jeff, so I have to be able to back it up. Internet is forever, my friend. Yes, it is. I absolutely nailed the bottom of Jose Abreu last year, and it was the thesis of the article. That was literally, you know, so it wasn't just like, and right, and that's part of it too. There, it's not objective. It's not two plus two equals four, and you get the answer every time. But using rolling graphs and trend analysis, I was able to quite literally pinpoint the very bottom of Jose Abreu. And it took off from there. So yeah. I did the, we did the article and people are like, man, John, I think you might have jumped the shark on that one, my man. But Jose Abreu, again, really great player, really long track record. I just wasn't buying it, neither were the charts, and, and it happened.
1: Yeah, nice. Uh and he's 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 still cheap this year, you know, too. Yeah. A lot of people that don't want to touch him this year either. Yeah, I you wonder look. why. <laughs> Yeah, if you look at ADP, I mean, he's almost outside of the top 300. There, there are drafts in the last three weeks where he's gone outside the top 300 in the NFPC. ADP is uh, 287, 280, I guess. Uh, average pick is 287, 280th in order. You know, that's and, and it's just kind of an illustration that if you want to wait on first baseman, you can. There are plenty of options there. Abreu was like the 27th first baseman taken, first base eligible player taken.
2: Yeah, there's quite a few first basemen that you could get late. Also something I know you talk about often, you know, needing to get into the draft rooms to battle test those rankings. Absolutely. And find out. And, uh, you know, I have to do because I have found I've generally lowered, obviously not the Alonzo's, but all the other first basemen, like even like a Goldschmidt, very comparable stuff found later on. Maybe he's a little bit different with the couple steals you might get. But, yeah, Rizzo, even Ty France. There's a lot of guys back there that couldn't.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, like you have sometimes you make these decisions under the clock and then you look back, you're like, "Eh, like I took Goldie and then labor a couple of weeks ago in the mixed labor draft, 15 team mixed labor draft. Took him in about the fifth round. I wanted to hit her in that spot and like it's like I could go this way, but I don't really want to do that. You know, know where your, you know, those spots are too, and knowing how to get yourself out of them there is is, is I think is really important, you know. No, because there are certain like little it's it's weird, like. Oh, I I love these eighth, ninth round, and eighth, ninth, and tenth round hitters, but I don't like my fifth round hitter. What's up with that? I mean, you should like you should love that guy that's going earlier there, but somehow we feel uncomfortable with that.
2: I think it's a position thing. I think we get forced into something guilds was just talking about the other day. Is um, you know, we say, Well, I don't have that first baseman. I can't take a bench player before I fill in a starter. And I think sometimes that could be the wrong way to go about it. If it's of course, depending on the availability, right. While you practice, you allow the later availability to maybe more properly mold those earlier decisions.
1: Yep. And the, the, if you go through a couple of drafts like that, well, that helps you with your prep. Now, you know, like, okay, well, this is where I'll tack a closer. Cause I don't really love anything else there. Yep. Instead. This is where I go with the catcher. You know, yep. I did that just in a draft in TGFBI in and one of the, Glacially show slow TGFBI leagues, uh, where I took William Contreras yesterday, like the towards the end of the sixth round. I'm like, okay, well, other things got p- plucked away. We're still in the seventh in that one. Are you, are you doing TGFBI this year?
2: Yes, we're 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 flying. I'm really happy with my team, though. This is the first year I'm doing the main event. I'm going to play in the Champions League. Okay, I'm on a main event qualifier, and nice. I just couldn't resist because I was already playing DCs. Yep, and this is the first time. I've ever felt the press of having my picks out there. Now I give advice, so mm-hmm. my and my opinions are always out there, and my ranks are out there. But again, it's different than you know actually having a thirty-round NFBC kind of receipt. Yep. So it's I'm maybe not say taking it more seriously, but yeah, I'm putting a little more thought into it than maybe I would have just shot from the hip. You know, saying all right, TGFBI is not money, so maybe I'm going to go with uh, guys I wouldn't draft otherwise, where I'm it looks more like a, a high stakes roster I would actually put together.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, tell wars, you did that on Tuesday, this yeah. week. different format. And we'll get into that in moment uh, because <laughs> that also will, 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 but it, you still, you know, the player pool a little bit more every yeah. time, every draft you do uncle Ted asks, how many mock drafts do y'all usually do my answer? Zero. I don't do mock drafts. I hate mock yeah. drafts. Can't it's stand boring. them because people quit them halfway through. They do aberrant things. I'd rather have, any sort of skin in the game, even if it's an expert league, it's different. Cause you're still playing it out. Um, yeah. I, I, I have, and you know, I'm everything for me is public. You know, I I'm going to show my picks. I'm going to show my, in the industry leagues, the full board with player, you know, drafter names are listed and all that. I respect the NFBC where they don't want to have their name out. So I'll just show the grid without, and I'll say, this is my team here. I think that you can do that a little bit differently. Uh, but yeah, I, I, there are no secrets and yeah, I just, I need
2: money. I need yeah. money in the game because, again, I need I need to know that I'm not wasting my time. Right. And I never want to speak for other people's finances. We should never really do that. So I think if you could save up to get into one slow draft champions, again, taking advantage of the slow clock, Jeff, allowing that format to find your value, where if people aren't familiar, you get an email with four hours where you can really sit and scrutinize. In fact, four hours. You could scrutinize more than once. You could sit and scrutinize, walk away, over see if you're actually happy. You could. In fact, it's too yeah. much.
1: It's too yeah. much. It's paralysis by analysis. Ah, you know really
2: what's funny? About. That, which is an excellent point and a real thing, but something also that we want to realize for ourselves that that will help you do. Yeah. I found um you. I just talked again. I listened to all your stuff. You were just talking to Fred. Who I really love in this game, and we we're talking about your stat getting into a slow draft and taking three or four names and really kind of getting the magnifying glass out. I think that's the best advice. One of those drafts is probably worth a thousand mock drafts.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, a section I might make is if it's for publication in November, something like that before even my, you know, I, cause I don't do DCs in November and December that much, maybe in December, but cause you know, I do football too. Um, and I just don't have the time to do it right. Right. So I'm not going to be one of the early drafters, which probably puts me in a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of the DCs that I do in early January. Do you think
2: so? I was just having this conversation the other day and I worried, because I was drafting early, getting exposure to players I liked, also getting them at better prices, Mm -hmm. that it might have been affecting my pursuit of them as we came to the high stakes tables. Number one, saying I don't want to overload on player shares of a certain player. And then number two, man, my sixth round guy is now a fourth round guy. I don't know if I want to Pay the fourth round price, but when it comes to those big leagues, you got to get your guide. If it means an extra round, you've i said, Man, I'm just going to be crazy, but this is stuff you talk about all the time. You know,
1: yesterday's
2: yeah. price is not today's price, man. You gotta, this is the market price, and if you want it, you got to pay it.
1: Yeah, you got to be careful. You don't like victory lap. Oh, see, he's worth the fourth rounder now. Look at me. Yeah, I'll yeah, 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 everybody's picks are have this certain sort of uh helium there because you know what? Other people have fallen by the wayside. Injury, you know what? Kodai Senga goes down. That's one, that's another starting pitcher that goes up. Robert yeah. Stevenson goes down today a little bit. We'll see how bad it is. That's, a, that's one closer situation that may have some resolution to it there. Um, yeah. Th- th- these sort of things happen a little bit. We're at the Kodai Senga auto pick spot. So the next person that gets timed out is going to get them in T and yogurt, Man, uh, in my bad. yogurt league. So I really and liked had, him too. Coming in. I did too. I did too. I, and we, we've had an internal debate on Senga like, how much do you downgrade his projection? I've been pretty aggressive about it. I know sometimes the people are listing late August, late April as a return date. No way. I don't oh. think he's coming back that quickly. So June, maybe. I've got him for like eighty innings this year. Um, other pe- your mileage may vary, but I, to me, well, that sounds good. Yeah, I just and, and if I'm in, in a league where I have an IR spot, great. I'll consider drafting him maybe a little bit earlier. In in the NFBC, yeah. and maybe that's where I, again where I'm wired. He's a, he's basically a cross off now. Unfortunately, yeah,
2: had I drafted Cody Sanga in a Fab League, uh, he's a week zero cut. Hundred percent, you can't hold him. IL spots, you know, right? Excluded, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, and of course this is another reminder. Learn learn your the parameters of your league. If you have IL spots, then some of these guys are are stashing becomes a good idea all of a sudden. And that's a mark I missed in labor. I didn't draft any stashes uh, like injury stashes. And you know, last year Ryan Bloomfield he stashed Royce Lewis and from the draft. Guess what? That worked out pretty well. Um, there there is a positive side to it. I won't do it with pitchers. I think I could do it with injured hitters more likely than I do it with injured uh, injured pitchers.
2: Interesting because there were quite a few injured pitchers that really could move the needle if they hit the ground running, right? We're waiting for the DeGrom, we're waiting for Scherzer, we're waiting for Shane Baz, we're waiting for Max Meyer, right? Mm-hmm. So right there are four guys. Again, I don't want to speak for how it's going to happen, if there's going to be a setback or not. The way I like to view these things is, in the case of return, are they highly coveted for waiver, you know, fab targets? Right. Obviously, the answer is yes, those guys are all Max dump bids. You know, there's all your $350 spends in NFPC. So it, even to translate it to home leagues, those are guys, before you're taking, like, boring innings eaters, take those guys' stash them. The boring guy will be there for the week zero move.
1: There'll be other boring guys. That's what yeah. we, <laughs> they
2: there's come out of our ears.
1: Them. Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, you know, Jeffrey Springs maybe also, uh, you know, is another one. Although, again, any pitcher, year one coming back from an elbow injury, I'm usually waiting until year two anyhow. So yeah. It's a little different than Mad Max, I would think. Yeah. Um, either Max. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll uh, something, something Max effort there. But uh, with, anyways.
2: <laughs> what, yeah. if, what if Baz was set to return opening day like a lot of people thought he was? I have been in a couple of underdog contests not knowing. Now I won't because that's such a small format. Right. But he's a, you know, he's. Potentially like a top 25 starter, maybe even more. When he was really going, I really liked him. We'll do some diagnostic stuff later. He checks all those boxes. He's like made in a laboratory. Guy like that, man, could be the difference between winning and losing. Even in an 80 inning case, like I mentioned before, even one of those, I think he's set for a bit more than 80 innings, probably not more than 120, but that could be a really good 120.
1: So Jason Collette at first pitch Arizona in November said that Taj Bradley will throw more innings than Shane Bowes this year, and it won't be close.
2: I mean, it's possible. Bradley had a hard time staying up last yeah, year. As good as the fastball is, like under the microscope. I mean, we'll see again. He's the results happened. weren't very good. No you doubt know, about it. The first it. time around, I actually I, I can't i can't go against this because I write about this too much. A lot of times, those are my favorite, you know, young prospect guys. Mm-hmm. I often defer to your own James Anderson. Oftentimes, I also don't pay premiums for youngsters because MLB is hard. A lot of times I'd like to allow them to fail and pick up on that next upswing. Look at you, Brandon Fott, even Grayson Rodriguez, right? Guys with these spoiled uh, stat lines that now could be really, really good, especially if we get the playoff version of Brandon Fott, man. He's the piece. He's this year's Zach Eflin. He's that piece going late that really could put you over the edge because every five days you're getting that effective starter
1: it's so important to find those guys too. You know, Phil Dussault was on with James Anderson and it's like, yeah, his great teams had Eflin there. You know, they had, there's like two or three starters there that were like top 15 starters that you got after pick 200 fought right now is right at 200 208 yeah. um, is, is where he is in the last three weeks. I suspect if a couple of good spring outings and we'll see a little, a little bit of a bump in that, uh, see, see a little bit of bump in that price. Um, you mentioned Grayson Rodriguez and you also mentioned earlier about four seamers and all that. So let's launch, let's launch into that and, Talk about what you do. We can kind of use like your charts, your, 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 your uh, your, how, how you approach things. I think he's a fascinating guy because this is a guy that first time around was terrible, no getting around it. Got sent down, was a stud the second time around, and everybody is coming close, if not necessarily paying the stud price, but is expecting like an SP2 at worst when they draft him like pick 70 right now. Where are you on him?
2: It couldn't be any higher, you know. Um, again, he, he followed what I, I call like a trajectory guy sometimes in my writing. Okay. All the all the shine, all the pedigree, all the desire leads to premium pricing, leads to overpaying. Again, MOB being very hard, led to some disappointment, led to disgust, led to fab, you know, wasting. He got demoted. You get the change. You he has a you know, again, okay, remember, this is a really driven guy with tons of talent. One hiccup at the highest level should not. You know, end of it for us. We shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He makes the changes. He'd come back, and he was, he was just, like, absolutely phenomenal. I wrote, yeah, they worked on pace and control in AAA for seven games. He had a sub-2 ERA in AAA when he was down there, 26%, K-BB, which is obviously phenomenal. They adjusted the arsenal, scrapping the cutter, which was his worst pitch by far. Funny, Jeff, something that you talk about again all the time. Yep. Yeah, let's throw our best pitches more and our worst pitches less. Like, how's that? Let's go to the school of common sense. And it just—it really worked, and you look at the SP we were promised. Thirteen games, thirty-six and two-thirds, two-five-eight ERA, one-ten WHIP, and he was really good doing it. One-third of a homer, nine, which was the problem. So, I don't see those early stats, right? I don't see those, right? Because when I do pitching, you mentioned diagnostics. I like to build use—I call them compartmentalized baskets—in order to kind of weave my tapestry. Meaning I look at pitchers rather than outcomes. Tell me about their disciplinary profile, strike percentage, ball percentage, chase, zone contact. Talk to me about elevation, the next basket. Do they keep the ball down? Does it go up in the air? Also, people, slight tangent when looking at fastballs. Not uh, fly balls, I'm sorry. Not all fly balls are pretty equal. Infield flies are outs.
1: Yep, yep.
2: that was kind of the door that was cracked open, Jeff, that got me into the diagnostics because it was, can we figure out what's going on with these infield flies? The, a lot of them, like the majority of them, are challenges up in the zone, and the hitter gets underneath it. Now, where I'm going with this is, this is where you get to fastball shape, how people like Eno, Saras at The Athletic have written about challenging up in the zone is you know, in vogue now. And again, not to oversimplify it, but a lot of it makes sense. We talk about rising fastballs. Everyone, I'm doing air quotes because they don't rise. There's this thing called gravity. Right, right, right. Okay. Certain fastballs sink less than the others. That lack of relative sink is what we refer to as rise. Now, not only does it one create a disparate and deceptive element, right? Just the way it's viewed from the hitter standpoint, right? So they have a certain expectation, 30 years of hitting, it falls a certain amount. Yours is not going to, but also because it's flatter, attacking up in the zone creates a wider physical space between the bat and the ball. And that's been, that's the center of the, so I, then it was really fast. I probably admitted to a couple pieces of why you want the flattest fastball being used up in the zone. That will translate to infield flies, which again are not going. Man, 50% fly ball rate. If if you look at the heat map and those fastballs are two three inches above the zone, we want that. We absolutely want that. I spoke to Ethan Katz. He was the, he's the pitching coach the White Sox. He's back when I was at FDN. Spoke to him about about that. He said he loves it. That he's even into throwing breaking pitches up in the zone for the same reason: the deceptive element plus the ability for the pitcher to you know get on top of it, right? Just keep the hitter underneath and then of course contact quality R- realize how i left that for last because i think that's one the least important two the least predictive and three the the least in the pitchers control Say the most out of his control yeah so there's like a little bit on viewing pitchers as a template and how we can use some diagnostics right the less vertical movement with the most horizontal movement, right we still want ride without we want the run i'm sorry arm side run Horizontal ride, like a roller coaster ride. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. So there's right. a little bit
1: there. Exactly. And, you know, tying that all in, now we saw that there's a note just today that he's trying to get rid of the four seamer, trying to use the two seamer more, because you could see the results on the four seamer were so bad last year. Uh, especially, and but again, there's also incorporate the early half part of the season there. That's not, that's just the overall number of what he did on the four seam. but it's interesting. Some pitchers are working on incorporating the four, some are incorporating the two, you know, scrapping one and adding the other and it's vice versa for another pitcher. And it just shows every a pitch will behave differently for each pitcher, depending on how they throw it, where they grip it, the type of arm strength they have, they, yeah. the angle that they throw it at, you know, where they pitch, you know, what background they hitting background. Do you have, there's, there's so many different variables. It's, it's, it's not a fixed target. It's not a fixed variable. These, all these moving variables, it's harder, harder to figure it all out.
2: Yeah. You're really touching on the parts of pitching analysis that make it very hard to quantify. Mm Uh, yeah, pretty simply put That's, that's it. There's release points, right? And again, we, as humans, we try and say this release point, good, this release point, bad release point people are, is about repeatability with different pitches. Yep. Right. So you can have the ideal release point for a four-seamer, but if it happens to be six inches below where the slider comes out, that's gonna be visible to the hitter, easy to pick up. Right. So a lot of these things, almost like you're mentioning, it's not a objective data point that stands on its own. I use the word tapestry, right? It becomes part, it's it's one input of many. You kind of build the best machine that you can, which is kind of why say I don't use pitching projections, but I, I don't know how you discern the difference between a 405 ERA and a 427 ERA. And if you put that in a projection system, it's gonna make a difference. Absolutely. So I worry about that because that's something you and Fred talk about often. And trust me, I'm not, I'm not, you know, hand waving it. I'm taking notes. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. Where he makes very good points about that with Blake Snell. If Snell is gonna take an extra, we don't we laugh at, oh, it's a week, two weeks. Two weeks is two starts. It's 12 innings could be 15 strikeouts, right? Could be a win, 12 innings, 15 strikeouts, like, could be a big deal. And not saying that is necessarily hard to quantify, but when you get into sequencing and how these pitchers are actually going to perform, I think it explains why projections are so tough. And it was why well, I was mentioning to you before. This is where I think some of these stuff plus misuse happens.
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, just. You know, talking about, the, you know, you mentioned maybe this is one wins. Do you know, you realize how tightly packed wins categories are when you're trying to do well, not just in, in an overall contest, but just even in your league. One win is huge. It's massive. Is it always? Yeah, it's crazy. It it that's that one way. thing. Like I do my the, the category targets article every year. Right. And wins are pretty stable as far as it goes, but they're also compact. And I think that that's the other takeaway. It's not just like the fluctuation. Maybe it might be. In fact, last year, our, our target percentage, our number of wins that we needed to hit our percentiles actually went up ever so slightly, which is kind of counterintuitive because pitchers don't go as deep into games now. You would think that you need fewer wins, I would that hasn't changed. The way down. Yeah. yeah, but we still need the same number of wins to hit our targets, which is kind of funny. Saves are have gone down, and I think that's a permanent change. I, I think that from 10 years ago, we're, we need about five to seven fewer saves than we used to to hit our you know, like 80th percentile or 70th percentile, which has a real impact on how we draft.
2: Yeah. Those specialty categories are really, they're really, really tough. And again, right. It goes to not to say, like, Oh, I, I just kind of discard the math, but it's, I just think it only gets us so far. Yeah. And then yeah. you just put yourself in the best probabilistic scenario to succeed. But I think a lot of these things we're talking about, well, not to say can be solved, but, need to be chipped away at through moves from churning the wave wire through nfbc allows you that offensive swap on friday making sure you're getting all your plate appearances absolutely for pitchers avoiding those really bad matchups maybe avoiding pitchers that can't get you six innings right five and dive asking four innings from a bullpen is it's a lot and how many of those meltdowns have we seen it's very frustrating you're already Did a good job explaining how much that win means to us. So, yeah, yeah, try and find the pitchers on good teams. Obviously, that's intuitive, but the numbers bear it out. Your odds of winning on the Dodgers or better than on the
1: ace. Like, that's just kind of what it is. Exactly right. Uh, We're going to talk about how you battle-tested your rankings, your projections, philosophy with your Tout Wars draft. But first, quick note from our good friends over at Fantrax, who have been sponsoring our podcast all season long. Fantrax is the most customizable fancy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fancy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Do you need a customizer, customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Much like we did for Tout Wars uh, this past week that we do with all the Tout Wars uh, online drafts, then Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, categories, scoring systems, schedule, Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. Sign up for free today to be entered to win an official... MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. We also are on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.
1: Thank you everybody for your indulgence and uh, in listening to our ads and support our sponsor, Fantrax. The, I can attest to their customization skills. We have an alternate category league in Towt Wars. John participated in it. Solds instead of saves, uh, innings pitch instead of wins, OVP instead of on uh, batting average. Not too crazy, not not too out of the boom, but it's a little different there. And I like I like the difference there. I like seeing different types of formats.
2: Yeah, I I <laughs> I don't know how I could have prepared differently because the thing that I, that kind of stung me was, was probably twofold. One. So this was 12 teams last year. So the board wasn't that helpful moving to 15 teams, put stress on all the specialty stuff. Yep. There are unlimited IL spots. So you have that, the stash element, Mm -hmm. but also in tout anyone you add must be started that week. Yes, So you do have to be careful of, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to go in the week zero and kind of add five people. You might not necessarily want to do that. Yeah, I was a little worried. Again, wins are kind of hard, so I like the innings pitch move. Adding holds was interesting because I thought, well, then no one will really draft relievers. Then I started looking at the hold categories. There are a few guys, and I think maybe it it gives you confidence in mixed bullpens, like maybe – even a closer like uh, John Duran on the twins yep. where he's got great stuff and we know he's a high leverage guy, but we worry if they'll ever get him to 35 saves when you get holds, he becomes like a total a one closer. Him so and
1: Andres Munoz both. Are, oh, are that's a team. great,
2: that's another very good call. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even either one of the angels guys before Stevenson got banged up and kind of the right, that, that Elk player. So right. I thought, Okay. that a widen, widen the supply, lessen the demand, allow it to go later. That played out, but, So I ended up getting Diaz in, I think, the sixth, which is great. You know, instead Mm -hmm. of, like, the second or the third where they can go sometimes in these. But the mistake that I made was not kind of following up on it. So I told myself, well, because it's fab, I'll get one guy and then kind of forget about it. But here's a lesson to people. Forgetting about it doesn't mean actually forgetting about it, like, blacking it out of the paper, which I kind of did mentally. And then I think Bednar went, like, the 11th or the 12th, or Duval went, in like, the 11th or the 12th. And as much as I like Diaz, Diaz in the sixth to Duvall in the 11th or 12th—that's a—that's a a miss and a loss by me. Not saying the league is over; we're going to play it out, and I'm going to you know work really hard to do it. But looking at those right, those custom leagues, yeah, I probably could have done a better job really pulling more threads on the unusual parts and how they might you know work down the line that butterfly effect.
1: Yeah. The, the late great Laura Michaels used to say, just tell me the rules and I'll build a spreadsheet. I'll figure out a way to beat you on that there. I don't, you know, he doesn't even necessarily care what the rules are. I just want to know what they are and he could plan accordingly. In fact, knowing that there are some differences, he, it was, it, it appealed to him uh, actually there. And it wasn't necessarily building the spreadsheet for Laura cause you know, he's the Zen drafter and all, but uh you know, it, it was also like just, there was, there was always too much ra- drama and debate over the rules. He's just like, Okay, if you don't want to have an innings uh, men uh, like we like in Tower Wars, we don't. You know, fine. I'll figure out a way to do it. We'll, right. we'll, we'll build a better robot. Doug Dennis has beat us the last two year's. Okay, we got to find a way to beat him, not legislate it out of him. You know? Right.
2: Oh, I love that, man. I absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah, these these can be a lot of fun too because they're kind of undiscovered, right? It becomes a little right. bit of an uncharted territory where again we it, we are so experienced in the space that oh, it becomes there's a muscle memory to drafting sometimes and roster construction sometimes. And that I really enjoyed because for somebody who really doesn't get pressured in a draft room, I'm very confident, I've done this before, I feel confident on my picks, that had me squirming a little bit. Yeah. We mentioned not drafting players that might not fit and kind of dealing with it later. I kept punting my C2, and I got stung really, really bad because every time I was ready to take my C2 – it just didn't happen, you yeah. know. I had like Camposano circled, and I didn't get him. So you say, "Oh man, this is really tough." I'll play the Renee Pinto game, little Pinto and Beans. That didn't work out. I didn't get him. I think I ended up with Freddie Fermin as my number two catcher. Yeah, so I'm looking I at your to...
1: roster now. I was, I was, I know, I did notice that. I was wondering if that was an intentional no, punt or I if it
2: was a starter. And I just kept whiffing and wasn't going to bring in a nobody. So now I'm kind of either hoping for a catcher injury or maybe I'll go with like a maybe Fermin because again remember Perez, though he plays, I think he only caught 90 games. Mm-hmm. So I probably Fermin's probably in line for a 50% sleep. If not, maybe like a Herrera, Avon Herrera on the Cardinals. They talk he might be looking at a fifty percent. Yeah, if not, that's where I'm weak. But if you're gonna be weak anywhere, C two feels like the lowest bar to make up for, you know?
1: For sure. And hey, you know, in fairness, last year we we saw guys enter the pool. You know, Yainer Diaz was undrafted everywhere right. last year, and now he's like catcher five. So it, it, it that that that's just a starting point right there. Alvarez was undrafted in some leagues. Uh you, you saw it like Ryan Jeffers was undrafted in some leagues. Yeah. There was value out there. You could you could find some value on the waiver wire doesn't always happen you don't want to be playing the catcher roulette game especially if you're limited you know like in labor for instance instead of a thousand dollar budget with one dollar bids it was a hundred dollar budget with one dollar bids. you don't want in there you know there's no trading of fab you can and there's no zero dollar bid so you really don't want to be doing the uh you know streaming catchers game you don't you want to, have doing... to take a
2: zero. Generally, we have no zero rules around here.
1: No, no, zero dollar bids. I'm no, saying. no,
2: no, no, no. But what I mean is generally we have no zeros allowed in mm-hmm. a league like that. If you lose a C2 and let's say he's going to be out minimum stay IL, you might have to eat the zero is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Oh, for
2: sure. You should Rather than eat a percentage of your fab, which becomes, you know, incrementally more valuable as the season goes on mm-hmm. where that C2 Yes. even if he's okay, there's going to be a couple weeks where Renee Pinto doesn't do much. you
1: know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I do have Pinto as my second catcher in some league. They, they uh, really
2: like him. From that. Again, yeah. that 250 will get you on the bus around here, but they seem to really like him there.
1: Yeah, They do. They do indeed there. Um, some of the other guys I wanted to talk about. You already, you know, we spent some time on Grace, a lot of time on Grace and Rodriguez, and you backed it up. You drafted him in this league. Uh, you got your guy, Brandon Font, uh, Font, excuse me, and I heard on a you know, earlier on we were talking about him and Uncle Ted mentioned that, yeah, they changed his positioning on the mound. Little things like that. Like, those are things like that we can't even like predict too much. It's just, it's one of those things that happens. He became a much better pitcher in the second half of the season. And of course we saw him in the playoffs, not second half, but in the playoffs, basically September of the playoffs fought became the man that we thought he was going to be.
2: He shoved and he's got tons of innings, which again is something that is nice to fall back on very late in drafts. I'm going to look for the actual, the total number. I know it's pretty high. It was probably close to 170. All right. So Brandon fought through 156. Oh yeah. Plus the playoffs. So he probably did come close to 170, Yeah, which we're building off that at all. is a a full compliment. So you can see, we'd be really excited. And again, he was really good in the minors for a while. They've done a pretty good job with their pitching there, Arizona. Something that I know you talk about, something I talk about a lot a lot in my betting work where or which organizations are we willing to put our trust in right the the guardians are certainly an organization like that the dodgers the Rays, but it's finding those next teams like last year we were again you know it's over but we did pretty well identifying the twins have done a really good job of introducing a sweeper they're ready that been. uh Sonny Gray and Lopez, they might not even be the only two.
1: Yeah, like um, I'm on Bailey Ober. I am going gonna—I yeah. will have some Bailey Ober shares this year. That's a yeah, guy I definitely want.
2: Organizations that are able to maximize. My next one, I know this is probably not too popular. It's actually the Pirates. I like what the Pirates have been doing. I think they underwent uh, an organizational shift a year or two ago. And I think we're first starting to see – the signs of that. The Mitch Keller turnaround might have been the beginning of it. Now there's whispers are Ruanzi Contreras might have turned the corner. I saw that back.
1: from Nick Pollock yeah. the other day. Yes, well, he's a guy that.
2: I really liked. Again, those trajectory guys. The the market is so good at overpaying and then totally disregarding these players. Jeff. Totally, Like just we are not interested. You are a 750 ADB guy, and Contreras might be like a 650 guy. What? Where If you get a sniff, he could be a, a rotation piece. It be a great 30-round pick.
1: Yeah. And you know, great place to pitch. It's, it's a really good pitchers park. Um, are you on Paul Skeens at all? Are you going to take any shares of him?
2: Oh man, I'm generally too conservative because right. He's not going to be an IL guy. You'll have to hold on to him. Yeah. He might be one of the market price guys that I'm mentioning where if they give him the nod and he's going to make the team, I wonder what kind of steam we see the best comp, like narrative style that i could think of was when chris paddock was coming up right paddock (laughs) it is Derek cardi's fault by the way cardi's projection system broke for chris paddock and then the whole world chased him but yes paddock went from being the best reserve pick to being the best 27th round pick to being 24th to being like a 20th round pick now i paid what was being considered a premium 20th round But I kind of have, you know, short arms and deep, long pockets, man. So, for me, that's not really paying a premium where I'm willing to take a big swing at the 20th round or later. And then they're paying off. So, maybe something like that, if we can get schemes after 180. But if people are going to push him up, like, I got news for everybody. Yamamoto is now, like, a top 15 overall player. Like, it just... He struck somebody oh, out. Everyone. He struck. He had a spring training strikeout, and it's it's happening, right? The, yeah. That sucking sound you
1: here. <laughs> Nick, it's so funny. My uh, radio co-host Nick Whalen. We were talking about Yamamoto Degos. yes, Jeff. In the last day or so, there's seven NFBC drafts, and his average his ADP is now like thirty. Yeah. Um He's at the Woo. two three turn. Um, and he, he remember you're you're basically getting an extra start with him because of the early games. Oh, true. Uh, you know, that's so actually
2: that, a good, That's a pretty good point. And yeah. right, if we're gonna ding Snell for being late, you have to boost motor for being early. But it's more the fact of we're allowing exhibition to sway analysis. And again, if I could help any of the you know newer players out there, don't mm-hmm. do that. If you put a lot of work into something, and the exhibition goes against you, enjoy the value. You know, I think you should stay. I think you should stay. You know, on your flag plants and stay confident in your work. Cause I, I've done that in the past, Jeff, in these last couple of years, just kind of chasing, you know, the, the hot player, the spring training stuff. And it's kind of blown up in my face. Doesn't always work.
1: Yeah. I, I hear you. Uh, is there, what, is there an example of like, maybe it's a negative example, like Joe Musgrove. Getting bombed two times, not getting out of the first inning as first two spring training starts. Does that change your opinion at all? What what does change your opinion in spring training? Is it velocity? Is it is there anything?
2: Well, I would even the way I said all fly, not all fly balls created equal. Not all spring training games are created equal. Quite literally, nothing other than a pitcher getting carted off is going to change my opinion in the first game. Okay. I tend to think spring training is a little bit longer than it needs to be. Mm Mm-hmm. If we're once we're 20 games in and we're getting close, right when the, the lineups are being solidified, rotations are being solidified, and we're seeing the stretching out happen, if a velocity dip is sustained and we're hearing about worry, maybe. But really, hearing coaches and players talk about the spring is enough to make you not weigh it. Hitter is talking about only reaching for sliders away. you know, like, Great, why would you do that? They know how to hit a fastball in the zone. There's no practicing that. Right. They're looking to do the stuff they're not good at. You know, pushing balls the other way. So you're gonna say, oh man, Nick Castellanos is like he was one of the guys I'm about. He's reaching and it looks awful. Just be careful.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I get that. I hear that all the time. Uh and even like the stat cast data can be dangerous there. First of all, for you know, at for a while, not all part spring training parks had Hawkeye. Yeah, so we, we weren't getting the same radar. We weren't getting the same gun, hot guns, cold guns, all that. Like Luis Castillo, I think I, uh, back when he was still with the reds, his velocity was down three, like two to three miles an hour. And I kind of was like, Oh God, because when Castillo doesn't have his velocity, there is a, just a huge difference in him. I'm like, Oh, here we go again. No, he was just, he he said he was just good dialing it down. I hear heard after the fact. So I overreacted and missed out on his best year as a red. Uh, Because of
2: that. You know what also happens with velocity in particular? You make a great, I mean, probably the best point is standardized calibration. If you Mm -hmm. don't have standardized calibration, you probably should not weigh it as if it were. But more importantly is the problem with fastball velo is the difference in the calibration is inside our error bars. It's like inside where we make determinations. Right. Oh, full tick. But the gun may be off a tick. Uh Oh, that's a problem, right? That's a problem.
1: Yeah. if you like, just look at like game to game stats, like uh, just in the regular season, you said it's within the air bar. I think that's a great point too. There are some games where that's average fastball velocity is 94.7. The next yeah. time it's 95.7. The next day it's 93.7. That's all within the range. So yeah. we can have this freak out like, Oh God, he's two miles an hour less than his last start. Well, that that's within the normal range. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying specifically too. I'm just using that as an example, but yeah, there is variation and that it happens. Cause guess what? We're not like stat producing machines, they're humans, and you know yeah. and I feel stronger one day. Like they might just be like feeling like I'm I'm trying to go deeper into this game, so maybe I'm dialing it back that just 95th percentile. It's like golf, you know. Sometimes don't take I don't really rear back and take that full swing, you know. Right. Sometimes the older my...
2: guys like so Lance Lynn, he's a very specific example, but I know it applies to him because he's vocalized it. Mm-hmm. it. he throws so many fastballs when questioned about it. He was saying that he feels the classifications fail for a pitcher like him. Right. He considers them to be different pitches. They're being gripped a little bit different, but also he is very specific about the effort. Yeah, that it's on purpose. This is a right, the higher one may be the max effort one, right? The one that he's challenging that swing. Whereas if he's trying to, let's say he's ahead O2 and looking to dot low and away to get a called strike. But is willing to be outside, you don't need all the velo. That's not the point. Because even right. if the hitter is to offer at it and hit it, that's it, that's not the function of the pitch. So well, these are all parts of the subjective element that cause the overreactions and analysis, which gets so many people in trouble. So I think it's just about like just stay focused. It's not having blinders on where your eyes are closed. It's it's but stay in your lane, man, right? Do the work and be confident and let that play out. No one data point should throw off six months of research.
1: I agree. I, I would say like one thing I'll look for in spring training is the team running a bunch. Uh That's You know, different. yeah, like the Reds ran a bunch in spring training. They ran a bunch in the regular season. The Angels stole five bases yesterday. You know, is that something like with Ron Washington as their manager, who's known for being a good base running coach? Is this a thing? This is going to be an Angels thing. Should we bump up maybe a little bit incrementally some of these stolen base totals uh, from projections from our Angels starters out there?
2: Yeah, well, I think bad teams in general are yes. starting to understand. Yes. Bad teams in general are starting to understand there's a, a, a smidgen of edge being provided with the rule changes. So if you're if you're the ace and you happen to get somebody to first base, it's gonna right. behoove you to take a shot, right? And we saw that, and that I think that was part of the tell-off thing, too. Was these teams understand that's the only way they're gonna get it? Yeah, a lot of these. Teams are bad because the hitters are not very good. Again, intu- intuition right to the four here. But if you get him on first, let's try and push him to second because there's so many strikeouts on these bad teams that you might for as well sure. try and get him in on, on a single because the sad reality for the Angels is, are they going to get three hits, right? One to put a guy on first, but then two more to score him from first. Exactly. That's asking a lot of bad team. Where, again, one bloop will get Nato in. Oh, yeah, all those guys I think are going to run. All those guys I think are going to run.
1: Not only that, too, but like the play, like and I've made the case against drafting Estuary Ruiz at cost or, you know, especially in a a contest uh, league where you have overall because you're just losing so much in the other categories there. But I will say one advantage of being on such a bad team is he can be such a lightweight as a hitter. He's not going to lose his job, Uh, whereas if he was on a better team, they might not be able to put up with his impotent bat. You know, the fact is he's and he's going to have the green light forever. Who is it? The Orioles, you know, uh, who is the player? Uh, well, Mateo is one of them, yeah. You know, but that was much more valuable before all this wave of prospects came up. Now, like he's not going to play as much because they've got Henderson. They've got, you know, they've got Westbrook and they may have a holiday up now. There's no room in the end anymore left for him.
2: Yeah, that it, it's funny. The Orioles have kind of made their way into the Rays sphere, Right, yes. it used to be the Rays a couple of years ago. We were always worried about playing time and how these things are going to shake out. Now the now the Reds are in there also, yep. and it's good in baseball terms. Right, the Reds Absolutely. offense is really really good. The Reds have two players on their bench that would probably start for let's call it fifteen teams. Same for the Orioles, have a couple guys on their bench that would probably start for twelve to fifteen teams. That's not great for fantasy because the unfortunate. And I'm not going. I don't mean to call it the reality. I don't mean to to misframe it, but there is certainly a chance. That all the hitters on all these teams are just five and a half games a week guys.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll give you the perfect example. Of that is Will Benson. Really good yeah. year last year, but not a good fantasy year. Why? Because yeah, he he got you the he, he got you plenty of stolen bases. He got you the 19 stolen bases. You know how many RBI Will Benson had last year? Well,
2: I had the sheet, but no, I don't have it up. Go ahead, hit 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 me. Thirty one.
1: He oh. had an 863 OPS and 31 <laughs> RBI. Thirty one. You can't roster that.
2: 51 yeah. runs scored. Really, really good he's year. He's very Really man. good player. Fun player. And he yeah, also- he's really toolsy. I'm kind of looking at the sheet now. You know, I format everything to which kind of jumps off the page. I mean, there's a lot to like. There, There's a lot to like. You know, he actually falls into that category of the stri- high strikeout guys that I have bits of faith in. Mm-hmm. Again, why I like to build these kind of tapestries. Yes, 31% K is not any good. The zone contact is really low. However, just a quick look at my sheet will tell you that He's not, he's too passive 42 and percent swing rate is too low, but a chase rate of 23 is really, really encouraging, right? Yeah. When you, if you show me a power hitter that strikes out a ton, but reaches a ton and is even aggressive, that was the Teoscar when I came up with him. He's, he has a terrible approach, but it's yeah. also really aggressive. So he's out there waving that provides a massive floor in this case. He doesn't really swing. So you see the elevated walk rate, and then all that, you know, great combination of lift plus power. He could tend to pull a little bit more, but the ballpark's going to give him a boost. Yeah, it just goes to show the Reds are just explosive on offense.
1: And if he does take that walk, he'll run. 19 stolen bases last year. A manager that's always giving him the green light. And it's not just stolen bases, by the way. It's first to third, it's second to home, you know, it's scoring on a double from first, all these things. The Reds do that a lot more. Um, And he's, and, they get thrown out at home. So be it. That's the cost of doing business, but it requires perfect plays, you know, and they're putting the pressure on the defense and especially the younger guys, you know, that that's one of those things. Uh, let, let's talk to Oscar. You've, you've alluded to him a couple times. Yeah. I have deep love for T. Oscar. He has won me leagues before in the past. He hurt me last year, hurt yeah. me badly last year, got better in the second half, but it was really bad early on. Now he's with the Dodgers. And he's a lot more affordable this year. He's going around pick 100, 110. Yet he's on a much better team context and probably a better ballpark context. Not that Dodger Stadium's ever going to be confused as a hitter's park, but it's not Seattle either.
2: Yeah, so NFBC has these really useful uh, graphics now. If you click on a player or so regarding EDP... Of course, ADP is great. They do min and match, which is also great. I like these, of course, me, Mr. Trader. I like the charts. You can see more of a flow. Mm -hmm. I would love to see a rolling average ADP would be fantastic. A last seven rolling average would be great. The thing is, he's now moved closer to like 80 and 85. And I just have major worries, right? So this is a player, we're talking about Teoscar Hernandez here, who I believe at age 30, so he's 31 now. It was his age 30 season was his first 600 plate appearance season. So generally, we don't look for more longevity as a player gets older. So that's kind of half strike number one. The other strike is 20% of those games were as a DH. Dodgers just brought in Shohei Otani, who can't play field this year. He's going to DH. Right. is a really poor defender.
1: Yes, he is. Yes, He's he
2: also is. been the guy that they need to get rest for. So we have a player who needs rest, is going to lose defensive at-bats, now, granted, there's probably an argument to be made. The Dodgers lineup, the turnover. Again, I made sure to point out I believe the counting stats are going to be fine. My issue is yes, I would say the raw power is pretty darn good 49% hard hit, almost 14 barrel, a 456 expected Wobble on contact, just short of 113 max EV. The pull rate, not great. I added pull fly ball line drives for plenty of It's a mouthful. But it is worth it because, Jeff, what I've been noticing in these sheets, that could be so helpful, is there are players with low pull rates that have high relative lift pull rates, right? So it's mm-hmm. that's not something we often think about. And I found last year that was one of the reasons that I had such a winning season was I found players that had low pull rates but high elevated pull rates. The thing with Teoscar, that's not really him. So – I guess the batting average is safe. He's always hit the ball hard. He still has an 81st percentile speed. So I guess maybe the steals should be okay. We're projected between 6 and 10. Home runs projected between 26, 28. But we're only talking about 550 to 565 plate appearances. Again, with a really flawed profile, 31K to only 5.5 walk. The chase rate up at 39. Zone contact down at 79. Nearly 18% sweetening strike last year. A good bunch of those stats were career worsts. Yep. That's a good pathway to a floor. Right. Again, when we think of terms as an Alex Chamberlain thing, looking at teams or players in terms of sign weaves. Yep. Right. There's a pretty good you could see where the where the ebb happens, right? Where the valley can happen. Because it's not only that he strikes out, like I mentioned, he's up there, he's extremely aggressive. So 54% swing, 75% zone swing. So he sees a strike, he swings that strike. But he chases at balls and is bad in the zone also. There's yeah. a lot of ways for this to go poorly for him. You know, it's just, I, I can't pay the market price. Again, I don't think he'll sink you, but I I think the better part of that career is in the rear view.
1: Yeah, um, I overpaid for that season last year. And um that, that alone is enough to scare me. And then when you give it, in more granular takes like that i'm i'm convinced i'm right so yeah gonna definitely uh, that that's that's one i'm not gonna pay for uh so you have to find somebody else in that range instead um so looking at other outfielders give I, i'm gonna just we'll we'll finish with this i'm gonna give you like five other outfielders within about plus 10 or minus 10 of that range lane thomas george springer evan carter Uh, we already talked about Rui, so I won't bring him up, but we'll just just do those guys. Is there one of those guys that you would do instead? If you were looking for an outfielder in that range, I'll repeat the list here. Lane Thomas, uh, George Springer and Evan Carter. I know I didn't prep you for this. Okay. So so, no, 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 no. that's
2: fine. Okay. So I, I really, it's hard not to really like Evan Carter. There are some serious platoon splits going on and I know Salfino yelled at me and people yelling at me. But it's not just a small sample in the bigs. I think it was all of last year, minors included, I think he had one extra base hit against lefties. Yeah. Lefties that they – see, he, the pushback I was getting was, well, in the playoffs, they let him hit lefties. The only lefties he was facing in the playoffs, they were up a million runs already. He wasn't coming out up, up multiple runs. He, he's a good defender. Okay, so I just have some concerns. Springer, I mean, you know, again, is a flawed player. I, I'm just looking at my sheet, so I'm just going kind of off the cuff. The disciplinary basket for Springer is good. He's got an above-average approach. He puts a ball on the floor too often. He also pops the ball up too much, right? So this gets reflected in a stat we don't hear quoted too often. It throws off the standard deviation of launch angle, which means, like, your, your tightness of spray, right? So he puts the ball down a lot. and puts the ball straight up a lot. So he has a pretty wide spray, which is generally not something I look for. The rest of it kind of checks out. Like, I think he's going to be – I think Springer's is going to be fine, right? I don't think he hurts you at all. I don't know if right. I'm looking for a massive step forward. I don't know about 20 steals again. That's like the part that has me, man. if Yeah, That 20 sure. is more like a 10. So I'm actually – man, I hope I don't get stung for this one. Give me Lane Thomas. I think I think he's the ascendant player, and this is the guy that kind of checks all the nerdy boxes that I like. The disciplinary approach is not perfect, but, again, this is why we need to be uh, – use the perfect word. is be a bit granular. K rate of twenty six, walk rate of five, not fantastic. However, ninety percent zone contact, nine percent swinging strike. This is an elite, elite contact profile. Okay, yeah, what we're looking for. He can be a bit passive, but again, with that level of zone contact and an above average thirty percent chase rate, you got to give him the green light. The power is legit. I think maybe he gets short sold a little bit. Forty percent hard hit, ten percent barrel, five percent blast. 400 expected Walmart on contact, 255 XBA. The thing that I really love about Thomas is they talked about this. They were going to try and deploy a very pull-heavy approach where he'd be targeting – because, again, right, so this is a hitter that has very good zone and pitch recognition. Those are, again, players that we could think more – I don't mean to be more highly – let's say that it'd be more probable that they can make changes, right, because he – he has the ability to identify pitches and do what he actually put the stick on the ball so this is a guy that we think yeah. he said he's going to pull more 51% pull he had a 15% pull fly ball per pa that's really high 21 of his 28 home runs were pulled he only converted 20% of pull fly balls to home runs so i've been hearing people say lane thomas man pull back to regress if he ran league average on those he, he maybe get the 30. And we're going to run. He's getting on base. I think because I kind of like balance. We saw some average. He's kind of the guy that I like. Also, yeah. last thing, because we talked roster construction is, the thing that I learned battle testing was I, I was not able to fill a five outfielder team with five outfielders I liked. There's a lot of platooning going on in the league nowadays. Yeah. And and, And you don't want those guys, especially weekly leagues.
1: Yeah. And especially if you're doing the whole weight on outfielders thing that everybody tends to do. Yeah. Yeah. And look at
2: that top board. That top board's a nightmare. There's a few teams that are starting part time players in week one. It happens.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Thomas is going to
2: lead off all the playing appearances. And if he can, you know, uh, have a continuation of the pull, the lift pull approach, he's 25 homers. We should get 25 bags. And then, you know, if the rest takes care of itself. Keep your draft office open.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Um, John, we'll finish on that note there. Uh, every
2: time. Thanks, man.
1: Every time. You know, so, again, I like to try to give everybody a chance to find out where you can, what sort of work you're doing. You can find you on The Athletic. Find you, yes. obviously, on Twitter at John Legeza. But, you know, you, you've you got your special product. It's your pin tweet. Again, tell everybody about it real quick.
2: I really do. Appreciate it. It's really great. Even. All right, so, at John Legeza, we'll streamline everything. I'm writing at the Athletic. I think I'm going to be doing the waiver wire column this year. Which is oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Making my way, making my way in the world. So check out the Athletic, always affordable. And you get some guy named Eno Saris as well. You know, does such great work, man. He's awesome. And then, you know, my work, again, it's only $10 for the entire season. It is a boatload of information. I showed you saw just the backend data stuff. You could probably attest to it's a lot there. So you'll get all the information that was citing, all the stuff's pretty neat. You just kind of search through it. I've got ADP data, lineup data, uploadable underdog ranks, which can be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, that draft style is fun, but I think I make it a little bit more fun because you just upload into it. Not to say you can adjust and then upload. You don't have to just upload mine, but I went through the 5,000 player pool And eliminated everybody, lifted everybody up that might be draft viable, and just sorted all that stuff out where you could take my underdog ranks and just walk away. And you're going to end up with a good team if you set the limits. And, yeah, catch the write-ups. We're over 100 write-ups. It's over 25,000 words and 30 tiers, waiver wire emails, personal Q&A pipeline. It is just an absolute ton for 10 bucks. So check it out. Check me out. And, man, thank you so, so much. I hope you had as much fun as I did
1: absolutely i always do and i love that you bring the energy makes it great oh, for yeah. oh, you there I love
2: oh it. oh it's an electric factory right here man
1: absolutely that's awesome <laughs> awesome man john always a pleasure and let's do this again soon
2: thank you enjoy your day everyone.
1: you bet that's going to conclude today's rotowire fantasy baseball podcast uh we got uh tomorrow we've got uh, clay and todd so lock it in if you like this podcast please like rate subscribe all those good things get notified whenever the next rotowire podcast is up thanks for listening have a great day